Good evening. It is good to see each of you. It is good to be together on a Sunday evening to study and emphasize and study God's Word. If you're a guest, we're glad that you're here. We want to thank everybody especially that prayed all week this past week. If I understand it right, there was a prayer led on every hour that the mission team was away in El Salvador. And, and if, you, if you got up in the middle of the night, stopped in the middle of the day, started out the morning, closed out the evening, if you will, just raise your hand if you participated in that prayer and committed to that. And all around us are individuals, and we truly thank you. It's wonderful to realize that the work of the Lord is a team effort. Uh, we want to encourage our young people to remember, tell them about God or talk about God this next week. It is a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to think about on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday how we can better tell other people about God and about what God would have for us to do in our life. And this has become a very special time. Uh, in the time of spring break for our young people. And we're thankful to have that opportunity again this coming week. And so be mindful of that, and we look forward to that time together. Uh, it was exciting to pass through here uh, in between 5 and 6 o'clock this evening and see so many men uh, that showed up to learn about the work of the pit. And it's exciting to think that the potential is there. I want to encourage you to be praying about that. Uh, it, it is amazing to think about the souls that can be reached if, uh, if the work through the internet and streaming and, uh, and, and the areas of media such as that that God makes available to think truly about increasing the population of heaven. Maybe some of you enjoyed either as a kid or even now reading comic books and maybe some of you have even collected comic books. On this next slide or this slide here, you see a comic book that goes back to 1962. This was the debut of of the wall crawler. And you see there in one hand he's casting his web and, and in the other hand, just out of sight there, he has a, a villain underneath that arm. This is considered a Silver Age edition of comic books. Some of the older ones in the Golden Age have sold for more than what I'm about to mention this one. But just last week, this particular comic book in a mint condition sold from a private owner to a private buyer for $1.1 million. Can you imagine holding a publication not much larger than that right there and someone coming up to you and saying, hey, I'll give you a million and $100,000 for that. No, no, I don't think so. No, I really, I would. All right. Now, are you, do you have your Bible? I just want you to hold it if you have. You don't have to hold it up. I just want you to hold it. Hold your Bible. I'm not asking you what you paid for your Bible or if it was a gift, what the person paid, retail value that gave it to you. But I want you to just think for a moment. What is that book worth to you? If somebody said, hey, I'll give you $1.1 million to never read that book again. Would you do it? Somebody said, I'll give you $5 million to never read this book again. What is it worth to you? 
The scriptures tell us clearly that it's worth our eternity. There's no way to distance ourselves from this word and remain faithful to God. There's no way to separate ourselves, to disengage ourselves from this book and still be right with God, to have the hope of eternal life. And so I hope that as you think about tonight, what is this book worth? We're going to look at three times in Old Testament history where the northern kingdom, then the southern kingdom, and then when they return back from captivity, even again, where we see that the children of Israel time and time again, had problems. And what always went hand in hand with their problems was when they stopped reading and knowing the will of God. And that same would translate to today. The time you and I invite problems, serious problems into our life is when we stop knowing this book. The first man and event that we want to read about is the time in the northern kingdom. By this time, the kingdom had divided. Ten tribes went north and and two remained south. And usually the northern is called the the Israel and the southern is called Judah. The northern kingdom had 19 kings and every one of those kings were wicked. And so God was constantly sending them prophets, urging them, come back to me. Come back to what I've taught you to live. And so many times, they honestly, they couldn't have returned, even if at that moment they said, okay, unless somebody said, oh, let me take a few days, let me take a few weeks, let me take a few months and teach you now what God's way is. In other words, even if they were willing to return, they wouldn't have known the way to return. And we'll see that tonight. Hosea was sent at the same time of Isaiah and Micah, and it's toward the very end of the northern kingdom. In other words, soon God has prepared Assyria to come over and to destroy their kingdom. He does something very unique with Hosea. He not only gives Hosea a powerful message to give to the people, but he even wants Hosea's life to exhibit the children of Israel. And some of you already know what I'm talking about. God looked at himself as a husband to a bride. And he looked at his wife, and he had found that she had become very unfaithful. As a matter of fact, he chose the words of harlotry. And God is so heartbroken, just as you would expect any husband to be heartbroken in this situation. And so, well, let's just read it. Let's read what he tells him to do. And let's read the message that continues to run through this book. Look for the theme of this unfaithfulness. And then also look for the fact that they had forgotten the law of God. If you'll turn with me, please, to Hosea, chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. When the Lord began to speak to Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take yourself a wife of harlotry, 
and children of harlotry. For the land has committed great harlotry by departing from the Lord. So he went and he took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. Chapter 2, verses 2 through 5. Bring charges against your mother. Bring charges. For she is not my wife, nor am I her husband. Let her put away her harlotries from her sight, and her adulteries from between her breasts. Lest I strip her naked and expose her as in the day she was born, and make her like a wilderness, and set her like dry land, and slay her with thirst. I will not have mercy on her children, for they are the children of harlotry. For their mother has played the harlot, she who conceived them as has behaved shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers who give me my bread and my water and my wool and my linen, my oil and my drink. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Then the Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who is loved by a lover and is committing adultery, just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel who looked to other gods and loved the raisin cakes of the pagans. So I brought her for myself, brought her for myself for fifteen shekels of silver and one and a half omers of barley. And I said to her, You shall stay with me many days. You shall not play the harlot, nor shall you have a man. So too will I be toward you. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred pillar, without ephod or a teraphim. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and shall they shall fear the Lord and His goodness in the latter days. Chapter four, verses five and six. Therefore you shall stumble in the day, the prophet also also shall stumble with you in the night, and I will destroy your mother. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being priests for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. Chapter 5, verses 4 through 7. They did not direct their deeds toward turning to their God, for the spirit of harlotry is in their midst, and they do not know the Lord. The pride of Israel testifies to his face. Therefore Israel and Ephraim stumble in their iniquity, Judah also stumbles with them. With their flocks and herds, they shall go to seek the Lord, but they will not find him. He has withdrawn himself from them. They have dealt treacherously with the Lord, for they have begotten pagan children 
Now a new moon shall devour them in their heritage. Chapter 10, verse 13. You have plowed wickedness. You have reaped inequity. You have eaten the fruit of lies because you have trusted in your own way in the multitude of your mighty men. In chapter 14, verse 9. Who is wise? Let him understand these things. Who is prudent? Let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but transgressors stumble in them. a sad story for Israel. We saw the rejection that they had toward God because they had forgotten the law of God. Could God have chosen a more serious way to exemplify and remind Israel of how He viewed them forgetting His law? The very example of harlotry. This morning we talked about When we leave the truth, the only place to go is in places of lies and delusions. You could have gone up to Israel at this time and they probably would have told you how everything was right in their life. And God was sending prophet after prophet to say, will you just wake up? Will you come to your senses? Will you see how far you had gone? Nearing the end of the southern kingdom, that's the northern kingdom, nearing the end of the southern kingdom, There was 57 years of most wicked kings. One that ruled for the longest, the majority of that time, about those years, was Manasseh. He's considered the most wicked king of the southern kingdom. He had a son, Ammon, that ruled for two more years. He had a son named Josiah. And there was a seed planted in Josiah as a young man that caused him to be very, very different from his father And from his grandfather, he began at just the age of 16 to have a heart for God. And at 20, he started purging Jerusalem and cleansing it of all of the the idolatry and the wickedness that had been brought in. And by 26 years of age, when he was redoing the temple, something was found. And what was found would change his life and Judah in a powerful way. This young man became parentless at eight years old. And so our next two readings will be from one young man who is eight years old and the next who is 26. Tonight I'll be reading 2 Kings chapter 22 verses 1 and 2. 2 Kings chapter 22 verses 1 and 2. That's on page 353 in the Pew Bible. 
Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedidah, the daughter of Adiah of Bozkath. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. Amen. Second Kings chapter 22, verse 3, and then verses 8 through 11. Chapter 22, verse 3, then verses 8 through 11. Now it came to pass in the 18th year of King Josiah that the king sent Shaphan the scribe, the son of Azaliah, the son of Meshullam, to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah the priest, that he may count the money. Sorry, verses 8 through 11. Then Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. So Shaphan the scribe went to the king, bringing the word, saying, Your servants have gathered the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of those who do the work, who oversee the house of the Lord. Then Shaphan the scribe showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. Now it happened when the king heard the words of the book of the law that he tore his clothes. Chapter 23, verses 1 through 8. Now the king sent them to gather all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem to him. The king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah and with all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant which had been found in the house of the Lord. Then the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of, the, of this covenant that were found, that were written in this book. And all the people took a stand for the covenant. And the king commanded Hilkiah the high priest, the priests of the second order, and the doorkeepers to bring out of the temple all the temple of the Lord all the articles that were made for Baal, for Asherah, and for all the hosts of heaven. And he burned them outside Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron and carried their ashes to Bethel. Then he removed the idolatrous priest whom the kings of Judah had ordained to burn incense on the high places in the cities of Judah and in the places all around Jerusalem, and those who burned incense to Baal, to the sun, to the moon, to the constellations, and to all the hosts of heaven. And he brought out of the wooden and he brought out of the wooden image from the house of the Lord to the brook Kidron outside Jerusalem, burned it at the brook Kidron, and ground it to ashes, and threw its ashes on the grave of the common people. Then he tore down the ritual booths of the perverted persons that were in the house of the Lord, where the women wove hangings for the wooden image. And he brought all the priests from the cities of Judah and the defiled high places where the priests had burned incense, from Geba to Beersheba. Also he broke down the high places at the gates, which were at the entrance of the gate of Joshua, the governor of the city, which were to the left of the city gate. And now verses 19 through 25 of chapter 23. Now Josiah also took away all the shrines of the high places that were in the cities of Samaria, which the kings of Israel had made to provoke the Lord to anger. 
And he did to them according to all the deeds he had done in Bethel. He executed all the priests of the high places who were there on the altars and burned men's bones on them, and he returned to Jerusalem. Then the king commanded all the people, saying, Keep the Passover to the Lord your God, as it is written in this book of the covenant. Such a Passover surely had never been held since the days of the judges who judged Israel, nor in all the days of the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah. But in the eighteenth year of King Josiah, this Passover was held before the Lord in Jerusalem. Moreover, Josiah put away all those who consulted mediums and spiritists, the household gods and idols, all the abominations that were seen in the land of Judah and in Israel, that he might perform the words of the law which were written in the book that Hilkiah the priest found in the house of the Lord. Now before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his might, according to the law of Moses. Nor after him did any arise like him. Can you imagine finding the law as he did? Reading it and realizing, perhaps for the first time in his life, how far he was from God. It shocked him when he read the law so much that he began to tear his clothes. The signs of deep grief and despair. When you look in your life, And you see that you've left God. That you're not close to His law anymore. Do you have remorse? Do you have shock? Do you have disgust? How much do you love the law of God? We've read about the northern kingdom just before their fall. The southern kingdom is looking better at this time, but it won't be long after His reign that the southern kingdom will move away from God and His law again. And Babylon is there, prepared by God to overtake them. And that's what they do. Seventy years, there's a remnant that lives in captivity over in Babylon. During that time, the empire changes control and the Persians are in control as they are allowed to go back and to begin building. Ezra goes back first with the desire to build back the temple. And he is there for for close to a hundred years. And what is done on the temple is just not very productive. And the wall, nothing had been done on it. And as we're about to see in the reading from the book of Nehemiah, we see that finally there was that man named Nehemiah. He went back. And in 52 days, he had organized the people to build back the wall. But he wasn't a wall builder. That wasn't what his heart and his mission was about. He was about building people. He continues to say in this book, remember me for doing good. He doesn't say, remember me for building a wall. And so when the wall is completed and God's people are fortified, they're safe inside, he then calls Ezra together. And he knows we must teach them the law. They came together for at least seven days. Early in the morning till at noon. Every day, they would listen to the law being read to them. And their response was powerful. You'll notice in this reading that they stood. 
And if you're able and healthy tonight and can, we would ask you for this next reading to stand for these 12 verses, just like the people of that day in reverence and respect of the reading of God's Word. Perhaps this isn't as new to you as it was to them, but it is still just as powerful. The reading is from Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1 through 12. Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that is in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday before the men and the women and those who could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. So Ezra, the scribe, stood on a platform of wood that was made for that purpose, and beside him at his right hand stood Mattathieh, Shema, Anathieh, Uriah, Kiliah, Maxieh, and at his left hand, Pediah, Mishael, Melchieh, Keshim, Keshvendena, uh, Zechariah, and Meshulam. <clears throat> and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people, and when he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. <clears throat> Also, Yeshua, Bonet, Sheraviah, Yamin, Akuv, Shabbat Yai, Hodiyah, Maxayeh, Kalita, Azayeh, Yosavad, Kahanan, Peleah, and the Levites. They helped the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. So they read distinctly from the book in the law of God, and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep, for the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way. Eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing was prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites quieted all the people by saying, Be still, for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink, send portions, and rejoice greatly because they understood the words that were declared to them. You may be seated. If you still have your Bibles open, did you notice the list of men in verse 7? Did you notice the purpose of those men in verse 8? They read distinctly 
from the book and the law of God. And they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. Every pulpit across America and around the world needs men that will read distinctively from the Word of God and help people understand that. Nothing more and nothing less. Every Bible class teacher needs to have the mission that says, I will read distinctly from the Word of God and help people understand it. Nothing more and nothing less. Every parent receives the mission from God to make sure that in their house, the Word of God is read distinctly and understood. Nothing more and nothing less. Every individual ought to love the Word of God so much that they would read it and understand it. Nothing more and nothing less. What's this book worth to you? Israel sold it, gave it away, and they perished. Judah, they sold it, they gave it away, and they perished. And every man and every woman since then, when they give up the Word of God, they perish. But isn't it wonderful that the opposite is true? Part of God's grace is that He gives us His Word. We know of a Savior. We know of a love that that Savior, the Father and the Spirit have for us. And within this Word tells us about the redemptive nature of God. In this book, we read words that they really don't have nearly as much meaning in the secular world. But to us, in this book, we read of redemption grace, of mercy, of love. It's in this book we find everything that is worth learning. Tonight, if you need to return to God, in this book we find a way to humbly come for the first time or to humbly come back to Him. If we can assist you in being immersed into Christ or being restored into His body, Respond to Him tonight as we stand and as we sing.